Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So, welcome, everybody. If you don't know, I'm Pastor Dan, and uh, thank you for being here today. It's going to be a really, really good day. I'm looking forward to this day. I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 15. Uh, and the Bible's there in your seats. It should be page 798. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind me eventually in a little bit. But uh, I invite you to turn there. Um, I have to just pause and recognize we've got a special guest with us. We've got all sorts of special guests, but we have uh, the pastor in the house. And so Pastor Keith and Linda Holt are here with us today. This is uh, Pastor Kevin's mom and dad, and uh, we're honored that you guys are with us today. Thank you for being here, and uh, glad you got a Sunday off to, and you join with us. So thank you for being here. Um, and so we're going to continue our series on uh, on Heart of the Father today. So it's probably the Father's here, uh, Heart of the Father. And uh, there's three stories in Luke 15 um, that we've been looking at. If you remember a few weeks ago, my my, my father shared on um, uh, the prodigal son, the lost son. And then uh, last week we talked about the lost sheep. And so there's a third story to this. I don't know if you know this, but it's the lost coin. Uh, and, um, you know, as I was getting ready for this week, I'm reading through it going, um, is there anything I can really add to what we've already said? I mean, is there anything new that I can put in here? Like, I feel like it's the same story, three different ways, but really the same story. And I'm just wondering, like, it's a pretty simple story. This one's only got three verses, the coin. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm... I can add anything to it, and I wasn't going to preach it. You can ask Pastor Dre and Kevin. I, I was just like struggling. I was like, I don't, I don't think I want to preach this. Well, I'm trying to find something else because I don't think there's anything I can actually add to this. Um, I had nothing, um, really. I had nothing. So here, I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> Very simple. Three verses. Luke 15, uh, verse 8 says, "Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house?" And search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. How many feel like you've heard the story? Like, okay, that's it. Right? We've told this story over and over again. Sheep goes away, they find it, they celebrate. Son goes away, he comes back, they find it, they celebrate. Party. Like, there's not a whole lot in here, but like any good pastor, I mean, listen, I can make a message out of just about anything. Right. Like I can we can we can preach and I can stretch just about anything out, you know, but today just everybody go home, check your couch. When you find something, throw a party. There you go. That's the message. (laughs) Sounds good to me, you know. Um, So I was really hemming and hawing. But just in case there was more to the story, I dug a little deeper and I did (laughs) did some research. and, And wouldn't you know it? There's actually more to the story. There's actually a. A lot more to the story. And Jesus actually wasn't repeating himself here. He wasn't just trying to tell the story three different ways. Same story. There's actually parts of this story that are not found in the other stories. There's parts of this story. And it's like three verses. Like, seriously, what are we missing here? Are you really going to stretch? I promise you, I'm not. But I'm convinced that this story is going to help us understand God's heart in a way the others can't. There's something different about this one. This story has always been my meh story. You have a meh story? You know, like in the Bible, you're like, you read it, and you're like, huh? Okay, lost coin. I get it, but I like the other ones better. Like, it's just, eh, it's all right. I mean, it's good, but like the other ones are better. So I just kind of skip over it. 
Um, I'm not going to do that ever again. I'm not going to skip it over. And my hope is that after today, you don't skip this one either. But there's something unique about this coin. Um, so let's get to it. What makes this story so special? It's a woman who loses a coin. She finds it and she throws a party. So here's the first thing about this story that's different than the others. Um, the main character is a woman. That's different. That's different in itself. Um, the lost sheep, it was a male shepherd. The lost son, it was a father and two sons. There's not even a mom in the story. Right? There's just a father and two sons. There's no women around. Jesus was the good shepherd and he was the good father. And now he's saying, guess what? I'm also the good woman. That's, hmm, that's different. That's different. We know that Jesus had many female followers. We, he specifically framed this story to include those people who were listening. Right? He valued women in ways that were just unusual for the time. He elevated women and said, listen, you know, in the beginning, God said, you know, I made male and female in my image. There is something inherent in both men and women that are remark that reflect the, the attributes of God. There's something of God in all of us. You know, our culture, right, the Me Too movement, we've got all sorts of stuff going on in our culture because there's such inequality between men and women. And guess what? It's not new. But even way back then, Jesus was stirring up stuff. He was shaking up things. This story, believe it or not, this is how, this is, I'm not just making this up. I'm not just saying, you know, it's a woman. This story was actually written later in Jewish literature. Same exact story, right? Somebody loses a coin, goes and finds it, finds it, throws a party. Same story is told in Jewish history. You can go look it up. Only difference is they change the main character to a man. It's the same story. The rabbis tell it. There's something, something significant here about the fact that it was a woman. This is deliberate. The Bible has a very high view of women, and God is starting off, Jesus is starting off with saying something. I want to make a point here. I'm the good woman. Right? There's something unique here. In addition, the story is told from the perspective of a woman. Right? Like Women would understand the story differently than men because this would have been an experience common to women. Women carried their money differently than men. Okay, so the woman would have carried the money perhaps on a necklace. They had necklace. They would pierce the coins, like put a little hole in it and put the coins on like a necklace and carry them around you know, on a necklace. Or they would carry like a, a rag and put the money in a rag and tie it up and carry it with them like tucked into their dress somewhere. Right, so they would have the money on themselves all the time. That was, that was how a woman just kept her money. It was always with her. In case anything ever happened, she had what she needed. So it would be very common for a woman to have experienced something where she lost a coin of some value, and they would know to, to, to connect with that experience. Um, it would be similar to you, you know, like what's a, it's a, the, the coin that she lost was equivalent to a day's wage. So think about modern day, what a day's wage is. Maybe it's 100 bucks, maybe it's a couple hundred bucks. I don't know how much you make. Maybe, maybe it's a lot more than that. I don't know. Like whatever, you know, imagine that's in your purse, and you lose it. Like you're going to look for that. You're going to be like, ah, it's not like the equivalent of I found a quarter in my couch. It's actually, the, it's, not, it's not like a, an enormous sum of money, but it's not insignificant. It's a day's wage. You worked a day for that. What's your, what's your time worth? It was actually called a, a drachma, which is a silver coin weighed about 4.3 grams. Um, what's important is that a woman would have understood that that coin, the purpose of the money, was to provide for her family. This would have been probably to buy food or to buy goods or things that would have... So imagine you losing your grocery money for the week. You're not just thinking, I need the money, but you're thinking, okay, my kids aren't going to eat. 
right? There's, there's, there are consequences. There's impact. And she's going to start to feel guilty about the fact that she lost the coin. The money affects others, right? If, they, if, if it remained lost, her family's going to suffer. Now, here's what you need to know about the village, the, a typical house. Because we think you lose money, whatever, you're going to go find it. Okay. Their houses were about the size of an American one-car garage. Okay, so think about where you live, if you've got a garage, about the size of, of a garage, right? That's where they would have lived. And the floors would have been either um, uncut or smoothed over stones or limestone or something. Um, but there would have been, like, a lot of cracks in that, right? A lot of cracks in the floor. Um, and the windows uh, would probably be, like, slits about seven feet high, mostly just for ventilation, if they were doing cooking, it wasn't like, hey, here's my picture window so that my neighbors can see. And because you do that, somebody can get in your house, right? They're not looking for, they're just looking for little strips in the stone, right? Just to make sure that air can get out and there's airflow. But that's it. There's not, it's not for light. Now, the building stone they would have put on the floor would probably be what they called uh, basalt, basalt uh, stone. And it was black. Um, so imagine this on the floor, black stone, right? Stone walls, little slits, right? A roof and a doorway. It's dark. It's very dark. Some of you like dark rooms. I don't know. Some of you love the basement. Some of you like lots of light, right? We just painted our, our living room. I'm fairly certain it's the seventh time in seven years we've painted our living room. But it's cheaper than moving. So we painted again, and we went from like a darker green to like a very light my daughter thinks it's white. She thinks it's very boring. But we're going to accent and it's going to have color, so it's okay. Um, but it's very light because we like light because, you know, the, the room sets the tone, right? So, but imagine a dark room, dark floors, dark everywhere, right? Dirt roads, it's not paved, so there's, there's dust and there's dirt and, you know, it's, it, everything is, is, you know, there's animals probably in the house, all sorts of stuff. So it was natural that in order to find, if she drops a coin in a house like this, i got to find it. She probably needs to light a lamp regardless of time of day. It could be the middle of the day and she needs a lamp to find it. She's probably trying to find as much light as she can to illuminate this room so that she can find something. Right? So she's, just think about the kind of experience this woman is having. Now let's think about the coin for a minute. It's different than the sheep and it's different than the prodigal son. Right? Because the coin never leaves. It never leaves the house. Right. The sheep and the son, they left, they go away, but the coin's been in the house the whole time. The woman knows I didn't go anywhere. It has to be here. Right. Remember, this is a parable. Okay. This is a fictional story told by Jesus to communicate spiritual truth. That's what this is. So who does the coin represent? Based on context, based on remember Jesus was talking, it represents people. Right, who are not in a personal relationship with God. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying, is people. Right? Remember the context, he's talking to, Jesus hanging out with some people that the religious would call sinners. What we would call friends. <laughs> Each other. He's hanging out with people. Normal people who just, and, and the, the religious leaders hate it, and Jesus is like, you're missing the point here. Right? He tells this whole story, you don't understand what's going on. Um, and, and he says, you know, these are the people that are in the house, but they're lost. God, Jesus is saying they're right here. They're regular people. They're, they're here in the house, but they're lost. All right? So that's what he's saying. That's who the coin is. Proximity can give us the illusion of relationship. 
Okay? Um, just because people are together doesn't mean they're good with each other. Do you know anybody that occupies the same house, but they're not okay? Do you know anybody that lives in a house, right? We're in the house together. But things are not copacetic, right? It's, it's bad. It's bad. Some of you are in a home where there's been tension for far too long. You know that proximity doesn't equal peace. So this coin is in the house, but that doesn't mean it's okay. Right? It's close by, but it doesn't mean it's okay. But here's the thing about the lost coin. It's very different, again, from the sheep and the son. It was very findable. It was very findable. It was in the house somewhere. Right? It's got to be here somewhere. Right? Like, you ever lose something, but you know it's got to be in this general area? Like, you know it's somewhere here. I don't know. It can't, it's, there's no way it can be. I just had it. It's got to be some. Like, you just had my keys. I just put them down. They've got to be in the house somewhere because I haven't gotten in my car, and I had them this morning. You know they're in the house somewhere. And so there's a different mindset that goes on when you know something is findable versus when you know something might be findable. See, it's different. The sun might never come back. The sheep could be dead. It could be eaten. It could have drowned. It could have wandered away. It could be in any pasture. We have no idea where those things are. We hope that we'll find them, but we don't know. But the coin, it's here. It's in the house somewhere. It's findable. It's possible. It's right here. And this has two implications. For the woman, right, the odds are high that she's going to find this coin. So it's definitely in the house somewhere. She, all she has to do is look for it long enough. And she's going to find it. All she's got to do is systematically go through this house, clean out every crack, and eventually she's going to find it if she's committed to the task. Right? She's going to find it. But the coin was also different from the other two in this. The son could walk back home. The sheep could have wandered home. Or the sheep could have made noise while you're out there looking for it, you know, like, okay, it's just, you know, again, like a distress, right? It could have cried out. It could have been heard. But here's the thing about the coin. It was powerless to help itself. It's close by. It's right here. It's the closest of the three. But there's absolutely nothing it can do to get itself found. It's different than the other stories. It just had to hope that the good woman was looking for it. It's all it could do. See, some of us are so close, but yet we're so far, and we are powerless to find our way anywhere. We're lost in the cracks of life somewhere. We're in the house. People may even think we're fine. They may, they may think we're okay, but all we see is dark. We're in the darkness. I think it's... Not a chance that the songs we were singing today talk about darkness. I mean, two, two of the songs talk about God giving us light in the darkness. And I want to make an important point here. God is not interested in condemning you for being lost. How much time does Jesus spend in this story explaining how the coin was lost? None. He doesn't talk about how the coin was lost. Because it doesn't matter. Today's a new day. How you got lost doesn't matter. May have been your own doing. It may have been somebody else's doing. It may have been circumstances. But regardless of how you got lost, the heart of the Father is to hold you in His hand. 
that's it. He wants to hold you in his hand. See, God loves us too much not to be in close relationship with us. He's not good with you just being in the house. That's not enough. You may be here today and maybe you've been here for years. I don't know your story. Maybe for decades you've been doing the church thing. You've been in the house. You've been right here the whole time. And God's just here to tell you today it's not enough. The heart of the Father is not just to have you in the house, but he wants to hold you in his hand. The coin's right there, but it's so far. It's not enough to be here. See, God is the good woman, and he's sweeping up, and he's lighting all the lamps, and he's doing whatever it takes to find you. And do you know why? Because he knows you're here somewhere, and he believes that you are worth finding. See, here's the thing about lost coins, different than lost sheep and lost sons. Coins never lose their value. The lost coin was just as valuable as when it was lost. The sheep may have been injured. Don't know. The son's coming back with baggage at the very least. People get damaged. You know this. But no matter what happened to that coin, it's retained its value. See, God is saying when you're lost, you're still just as valuable. You're just powerless to do anything. You're powerless to make a difference. You have always been priceless to God. He sees not just what you are, but what you could be and what potential is in you. He believes the best in us. Here's the thing about God. He loves lost things because he knows their true worth. So what? So what? All right. Is there a lost coin in your house today? Perhaps a family member who's always around, a friend who's far away from God. Is there somebody that's just near you that you go, you know, they've been here, they've been next to me the whole time, and I just know they're far from God. They're right here, but they're not close. All right. I've got some marching orders for you. You ready? Turn on the lights. Speak the truth. The word of God is a lamp. It's a light. Share your story. Share the word of God. It illuminates the darkness. Let love burst through like radiant light. Turn on the lights. Do whatever it takes to bring light into their situation. The second thing is sweep up. Clean the garbage away. Clear away the stuff that gets in the way of People seeing God. Get out of the roadblocks. You know, sometimes we make things hard for people. We put things on top of people. But they want to find God, but we're putting expectations. And you've got to clean up and you've got to get this right or else. And we, we, because we want what's good for them, but we say it wrong. And we, we come in with all sorts of garbage. And it gets in the way. We should make coming to Jesus as easy as possible. Because following him is not going to be easy. But we should make coming at least to him and getting in his hand as easy as possible. Clear a path to Jesus. Turn the light, sweep up. You ready for this, everybody? Be a good woman. Never stop looking for a way to get somebody found. Dedicate yourself to doing whatever it takes. It has to be here somewhere. Here's the thing. If you knew that there was a way, that there was absolutely a way to get somebody to Jesus Would you ever stop? 
See, we come to the to people with this, I wonder if, it may or may not. We're not sure if there's always a way to get people to Jesus. And I'm telling you, there's always a way. There's always, it's here somewhere. You just got to look hard enough. And it's not about your effort. It's just about your willingness to never give up. Be the good woman. Just keep looking until it's found. So maybe there's a lost coin in your house, but perhaps, perhaps today you are the lost coin. You are a lost coin. And maybe nobody else knows. Maybe you've been here the whole time. And you know inside that you are just in darkness. You don't see God. He doesn't, you don't feel like he sees you. You don't find your way to him. Would you do today ask God just to pick you up? Say, God, I just need, I can't, I can't, I'm powerless. I cannot find my way to you. I can't do this. I can't be like the son who comes running back home saying forgiveness. I can't do that. I'm not the sheep that's just out there bleeding away, you know, hoping that somebody comes. I'm making no noise. I've got nothing. I'm just stuck here in a crack somewhere. But God, can you just come to me and find me? Turn on the lights for me, God. Help my mind understand you. Sweep away the clutter that obscures my life. And let me feel your hand holding me. I need you to find me. I don't know if that's you today. I don't know where you're at. It's a simple little story. It's a simple little thing, but it's so different than the other ones. But here's the thing. If you're a lost coin today, or if you have a lost coin in your family, I know God is going to come to you. And I know God is going to look for you. Because he's done that already. He's done that for somebody else. He's actually done it for somebody here. Somebody here today. I'm going to invite them to come share their story. I think it really, I couldn't tell it better. So what's actually going to happen is I'm going to invite up Katie Burke. And she's going to share her story of what God has done in her life. And I promise you that when Katie is done, you're not going to remember anything I said. And that's okay. That's really okay. So Katie, would you come? And I'm going to invite Katie just to share her story today. And uh, it's a story that really, this is, such a God thing. We talked. No question that this is how we need to end our service today. Hi. Yeah, so I was the lost coin for many years of my life. Um, I became a Christian when I was a little girl. And, um, you know, a lot of people think that little children can't have real relationships with God. But but I did. Um, I was just learning how to read and write when I became a Christian. Um, And God... Uh, used my grandparents to come speak to me and, and tell me, you know, how Christ died for me. So that night, um, I went to bed, I prayed the sinner's prayer, I prayed it over and over, and I wanted to make sure that God knew that I really meant it. And, and I did, and I put a little note under my um, mom's door that said, I'm saved, you know, as best as I could write it, because I was just learning how to write. Um, and I didn't go to church with my mom because my really wasn't walking with the Lord, but I would go with my grandparents from time to time. And when I became a teenager, I could drive. I went with, uh, I, I started driving myself and I went with some friends to a local church. I got baptized there. I prayed regularly. I did my devotions every morning. I read my Bible. Um, I, I even started a, a Bible study in my school after school. Um, so I, I was a 
sincere Christian, but there were a lot of things that I didn't understand. You know, I, I understood it here, but it's a long road sometimes from here to here, you know, and, and I just, there were things that I wasn't getting. And one thing I, I couldn't grasp, I understood that Christ died for me and I understood grace, but I couldn't get why he rose from the dead. I'm like, why didn't he just ascend into heaven from the cross? I don't, I don't get that part. And that was a nagging question for me. I had a lot of questions. Um, and one day I was sitting in church and, and the pastor said that you can't lose your salvation. And I remember it so well. I'm sitting in the pew. I remember exactly where I was in the church. And I thought to myself, how do you know? How do you know you can't lose it? Um, the only way somebody would know is if they, were, they sincerely believed. And then one day they sincerely stopped believing. That's the only way I would know. And that thought scared me so much that I just put it out of my mind. And I gradually became more dispassionate about my belief. And I started making decisions that disconnected me from God. Um, I, I just started peeling off layer after layer of things that, you know, I had believed. And I'm like, I don't believe in this anymore. I don't believe in this anymore. Um, and about 13 years passed. And I, had, I, was stopped, I stopped going to church. I stopped doing my devotions, all these things. And I was 30 years old, and I'm driving in my car, and I just realized I don't believe any of it anymore. I think it's a fairy tale. I think my grandparents, who I respected so much, were duped. This whole thing's a charade. I don't believe it anymore. And I actually prayed one last prayer to God, and I know that the irony is not lost on me with that. Um, but I wanted to say goodbye, you know, to what I had identified with for so, so long. And I said, God, I don't believe in you anymore. I don't even think you hear me right now. Um, I don't think you've ever heard me. And I just want to stop the charades. And then I, I cried. I, I grieved. Um, and for about five years, I did everything I could to avoid Christ. I, 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 I called my mom up. I told her that I was an atheist. You know, it wasn't like I just stopped praying. I, I rejected God. Um, over time, I became spiritual again, but I was seeking everything but Christianity. I didn't want to be near it with a 10-foot pole. And I sought out uh, Hinduism and Buddhism and all different forms of New Ageism and you know, Paganism and Secular Quakerism and Unitarianism, like all the isms. But Christianity is not an ism. It's different. But that's what I learned. And, um, but I avoided it like you know, like the plague. And I thought that they're, they're all different paths to God. I'm just going to try on every path. But I was really trying on different gods, not different paths to God. And, and none of them satisfied my yearning. So while I'm spending all this time running away from God, I didn't realize that God was actually chasing after me. And layer by layer, he was shedding light into the darkness and, and bringing truth back into my light. So first I... I came to believe that, yeah, there is a creator. There is a creator, and this didn't all happen by accident. And then I thought, well, it's an impersonal God. But I came to believe it's, it's not an impersonal God. As crazy as it sounds that God is personal, I'm personal. So how weird would it be for an impersonal God to create a personal being? So God is personal, and that personal being is love. He's loving because he gave us life. And then I thought, well, what is life? What is love? It's not... It's not hands-off. It's not apathy. You know, it's investment. It's commitment. It's sacrifice. And the only looming question for me was, who is Jesus? And I didn't want to touch that question 
or the 10-foot pole. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, even a month before I came back to Christ, I, I didn't want to hear Jesus' name. It gave me chills. I, I didn't want to say it out of my mouth, not in a religious sense anyway. And um, I started going to this, like, New Age group, and I didn't really even know what it was at the time, but it was actually a group of people that, that believed in Christ in sort of a, like, metaphysical way. So they kept using Jesus' name, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be here. But they kept saying it, and I warmed up to Jesus' name, and they didn't believe in him uh, as God. They believed that, you know, he didn't really physically rise from the dead, that that he, like, awakened the consciousness of, of humanity, and that we all rose from the dead. So that's what I was believing. But uh, one day, I was driving in my car, just like I was that day that I said goodbye to God, and God was wrestling with me mentally, you know, like, he was challenging me, and, you know, when something like this, you know, Katie, are you real, or are you metaphysical? Are you physical, or are you metaphysical? And what about everything around you? Is that really real? Are your kids, your two daughters, are they really real, or are they just in your consciousness? I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's real. We're we're flesh and blood. We're we're real. Um, And then he said, okay, so here's the next question. If you believe that I created real physical life out of nothing, how can you say that I can't rise, really, really, really rise from the dead? It's the same thing. And I thought, oh, my God. You know, like it all hit me, and then God was speaking to me and saying, I'm really, really real, Katie. I hear you. I heard you that day when you said goodbye to me. I heard you, and I've been chasing after you ever since. Just like that song, that reckless love song, I have been chasing after you, knocking down doors, tearing down lies, chasing after you as you've been running away from me. I've been acting in your life. Your prayers are not just being sent to some cosmic inbox. Like, I I am here. And I realized that that day in the pew, as a teenager, I figured that if I were to come back to Christ after leaving, it would depend on me. Right? But it didn't. It was like the lost coin. It didn't depend on me. God came and he found me. I didn't figure that. I didn't count on that because, truth be told, deep down, I thought I was the only player in that relationship. I didn't realize that there was somebody at the other end of the line, you know, tugging at the other end of the line. And we have this image of, we have this image of, you know, people gathering around Christ and following Christ. And we have image of the disciples, like, sweeping up all these fish. But there are some fish that escape the net. And God doesn't just leave them. He comes after them and starts fishing them with, for them with a line. He has a line with each one of our names on it. It's a one-on-one relationship. That is what I found out. It's a one-on-one. And all those things that I thought were coincidences in my life, and it seemed like they were just for me. And I thought, that's ridiculous. It's crazy. It's selfish to think that like that's something that happened was just for you. God was like, nope, that was meant just for you. It's a personal relationship like any other personal relationship you have. I am right here. He has a line with each one of our names on it, you know? And he has a line out for those people that you're worried about, like Pastor Dan was saying, your, your parents, your friends, your children that you're worried about. He has a line on their name with, with their, 
um, he's a, a name on, on, on the line for them. And, and it could be your name, you know, because one day you're the fish, and then the next day you're the line. And he, he uses us to connect with other people because he wants to have a relationship with every single one of us. He doesn't let anybody go. So that was my story. Thank you, Katie. It's so good. Uh, she called me yesterday. We we're talking. So I just can't even connect. That's exactly what I'm preaching, Katie. You have no idea. That's the story. So I've no doubt that there's somebody here today. Maybe there's couple of you. God's talking to you. You're in the house and you're not in his hand. He wants to know he's coming for you. He is coming for you because he loves you. He has not given up on you. He knows your struggles. He knows the roads you've walked. He's letting you know he is sweeping and sweeping and sweeping and shedding light and shedding light until you see him. I read in a book. I'm going to close with this. We're going to move to baptism in just a minute. This book I read was great. Talk about mothers and mothers and children. So when an infant is born, a mother will look at that child and just smile and smile and smile and smile, and it may happen for months, but one day, one day, that little baby smiles back. He makes this point. He says, we are loved into loving. God just loves us and he is just smiling and smiling and smiling on us, hoping that one day we're going to smile back. We're loved into loving. He doesn't come after us with a stick saying, you better get back here. He comes after us with his arms wide open saying, I want you to come to me. I want to love you. Let me. In a minute, we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate found coins, found sheep, found children. We're going to do some baptisms. And Katie, if you want to go get ready, I know you're going to join us as well. We're going to close with baptism today. But before we do that, I just want to pray. I just want to give an opportunity for anybody that's here today that you just need to ask God to find you today. If it's speaking to you today, I just want to invite you. Would you just bow your heads with me right now? Jesus, God, we thank you for being the kind of God who finds us when we can't find our own way. You love us so much, you're not willing to leave us in a crack in the house. It's not good enough. You want to hold us in your hand. Today there may be some here that are lost coins. We're here, but we don't know you like we want to. See us, God, right now. Would you find us? Would you reach down and just pick us up? Because we can't get to you. If that's you here today, 
Would you just raise your hands as a way of saying, God, here I am. Find me. Lift me out of this darkness. I need you. Would you just raise your hand right now? Just say, God, find me. Is there anyone else? God, I thank you that you love us without measure. Lord, you forgive us completely. You don't keep a list of our failures, God. You erase them. You give us a brand new day. I thank you for not giving up on even a single one of us. That none of us are in a spot too dark. In a crack too deep that you can't get us out. Lord, you know exactly where we are. You know we're here somewhere. And you come after us. And you never stop until you find us. Lord, you've seen our hands. Lord, you've seen our hearts. And now we're going to celebrate. We're going to throw a party because we are found. Because you are here. God, you are so good. I thank you. We give you all the glory. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.